MLB trade deadline has come and gone. Now we're going to find out who's going to get playing time rest of season on those losing teams. Time to dig in to teams and their next wave. It's time for Dingers! This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Will Crow that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again by Robbie Baseball from the Murder Room. What's happening, Robbie? Is that a Bengals toque? It is. That's gross. Don't boom. Yeah, don't do that. That's key. No. Key Jana Carter for life. yeah yeah i mean it's just when people think of you in the murder room they think icky icky shuffle it's a natural (laughs) fit there (laughs) yeah but anyway yes good evening ty uh life is fine you know we started a little later tonight and because of that i got to clean up down here uh just like major league teams have been cleaning up their rosters post trade deadline we're going to talk about what's happening in fantasy and if you have any questions that you want to hit us up with down below Go ahead and do that. Just punch it in the clickalators, and we will we will talk. If you got a, a trade question, if you are curious of player A versus player B, let us know any of those things. Dynasty value. We are always talking dynasty, but never with empty hands. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Ooh, samesies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's going to sound really good in post. It makes sense. <laughs> I, I I did the edit so this week for the last episode and realized how bad my audio quality was. New new digs, new setup. So I had to, if you can believe it, the audio quality from last week. Those of our regular listeners will appreciate this. Sucked for me, and that's in the new digs. But I didn't know that I was on a different microphone, which is cool. So this week <laughs> should be clear. If it's not. I will be committing myself to at least 15 minutes to fix it. Um, so that that is where we're at. What do you got this evening on the beverage side of things here, Robbie? Well, lucky for me, um, David, that's at DM Dice, who I mentioned before, um, got me some beer from Fixed Gear Brewing Company. And I said we had family over last week, and I thought they had taken it all. But they didn't take uh, part of the Sour series the training wheels dry hopped sour. So I am drinking yet another sour beverage tonight. Um, but it is delightful. I like it. So you got the there is nothing yellow, the green on an episode where we're gonna talk about waiver wire than training wheels. Oh, very, very well done. I, I, I also like did that. change my hat for everybody who's 
live streaming well, whoever pops in now it's argos is that uh, a tree what is that that's the toronto argos yeah but what's the symbol i've never seen that one before oh the that's, ship? That, yeah that's the class like their ship they're all rowing together with the football i've never seen that version before interesting yeah cool well this evening i am mixing it up i have a buffalo trace this evening uh oh. kentucky straight bourbon whiskey ladies and gentlemen so uh, I am I'm down for some Buffalo Trace to mix it up. I like I said last week got to select from the dozens and dozens of options, of which I only chose four. Um, and here we are. So let's get into it. We got a lot to cover. This is maybe the pinnacle of Robbie's fantasy baseball career: waiver wire <laughs> pickups. Uh, this is what he's the best at. Uh, of anyone I've ever played against, Robbie. So this is a, oh, a compliment. You. Like you're good at it. You find guys that every time you pick up a guy, I have to Google and <laughs> I have to find out who the hell this guy is. And then he almost always does something that I'm like, wow, I wish I would have thought of that guy. But and at, when I make the pickup, I'm like, yes, I finally got whomever it is. And then something good happens, and I'm like, I told everyone. But um, you know nobody cares. So if they're until they're top one hundred and fifty, it it doesn't pick up enough steam, right? Like you and I can be as right as we want to on guys who um, are not ranked as far as like top three hundred. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, Tyler there you go, perfect. Tyler O'Neill. Uh, we can be as right as we want on the guys who we think are going to be power hitters or you know good on base or whatever. But until they have proven themselves to the general masses or the announcers. Um, which is one of the things that just bugs me to no end or the front office um, public media people who talk to the public, because I know I still, I'm still having follow up from the magical trade where people are saying, Oh, he sucks. He's got no power. What do you mean? No power. He did have two home runs. So by saying no power, you mean zero home runs, but he did have two. So let's just be, let's be upfront about that. Zero power also means only singles. Well, you don't have an OPS North of seven fifty If you have no power, Nick magical obviously is not a home run hitter. That's fine, but let's use the wording properly. And I saw a really funny thing about um, somebody said, uh, you know, it was a TikTok thing. So Ty, maybe you'll like this. Um, it, R. Kelly isn't technically a pedophile. He's a hemophile, whatever it is. It's, it's like pedophiles, like a cert, up to a certain age. And then there's a little more and a little more. Anyway, it, it's, it's basically if, if you have to explain it to somebody, it seems really suspicious. So it's like if I have to explain to people that, you know, uh, Nick Magical isn't a power hitter, but you don't know what a power hitter is by your definition. Then it seems like I'm just, you know, I'm being a, a fanboy of Magical. So and anyway, we'll have to explain how we got to R. Kelly on this episode. But... Yeah, and Mitra. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone out there has seen the TikTok thing of the guy saying about, um, you know, the pedophilia thing, and now there's variations on it, um, but seen, everybody just says pedophilia. On, on the TikTok note, have you seen the Rave Horse from the Olympics yet? He's he's become you know the so it's in the dressage which is basically just horse dancing okay and they played like you'll know the song when yeah yeah I know what you're talking about but like a horse did that the horse is dancing to it it's awesome wow that's cool rave horse it's literally if you Google it rave horse TikTok you'll find it it's fantastic okay the coolest TikTok thing I've seen outside of the R Kelly which again I'll just this is not working but the coolest the coolest other thing is. The James Brown, where someone's doing something like screwing in a light bulb or doing something electrical, and somebody walks up and goes, Ah, I feel good. Nah, 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 nah. But it starts off so loud that it scares the person to thinking they've been electrocuted. 
And uh, I showed it to my wife. I've seen some of them that are just hilarious where someone's like working on an electrical panel and then you play that. Wow. I feel good. But it scares them to think that they've been, um, you know, killed. So anyway, it's funnier than maybe I made it seem you yeah. find that. And I can't tell you how to find it because I don't go on TikTok. I use Instagram through TikTok. And now that's, you know, eight and a half minutes off topic. Um, let's talk about waiver wire winners and also tie this time of the year because we're going to talk about it through the episode and anyone who does pop in with questions um again just hit us up with the questions down low and, and we'll bring it up uh or find us at, at dingers pod if you have a general question at robbie baseball one or tie at tourney boss um anthony rendon is out rest of the year i i was very oh yeah there you go yeah we're up in the corner um i was very sad last week i made a trade trying to get ahead of the game on anthony rendon thinking he'd be back by the end of the month and he's now out rest of season i gave up bubba thompson uh pablo lopez the baltimore oriole who had a heck of a start on monday night and some other prospect for anthony rendon now pablo lopez is on a uh, an expiring contract, just like Rendon. And I have a ton of pitchers and I wasn't going to start them. So that was okay. But this is one of those things where if you take a chance, you got to know what could potentially happen on the other side of that. And this was very similar to earlier in the year when I traded Luis Garcia of Washington, who we'll talk about tonight. And I received back Kyle Lewis, who promptly got injured and has not yet been in my lineup since that trade. So, um, and that was with you, uh, Billy B., who, you know, now you're now you're not making deals with me. And I think I want Luis Garcia back. Well, we'll here, here's and we led into this. And it's a great segue to get into the actual topic tonight. Robbie's really good at waiver pickups. Trades? Eh, not still. this year, baby. Not Trades this still year. <laughs> People I have acquired this year. I have a or who have I traded away? I've traded away Robbie Ray, James Caprillion. This is the same trade for Luis Severino. And then last week I traded Luis Severino um for uh marquez uh so just just get ready for some of the guys that i trade for anyone i mentioned that i've traded for you might want to just dump off your rosters uh, that's uh, generally what i do i i acquired trevor bauer and then one week later uh yeah yeah so <laughs> but let's get, anyway let's start at the catcher position which we we like to do and let's start with our favorite catcher to talk about who we almost always segue with and I'll pass it back to you for to keep that tradition rolling. Well, this is my second favorite catcher to talk about because, you know, Austin Nola is my first. But Mitch Garver, baby, he is catching. Um, and with Minnesota, he's doing a decent job this year. He's, uh, I don't know, what's the right word? Is it rebounding, Ty? Or is it just stabilizing? Is it just being a catcher? What do you want to say? Mitch Garver on the year? Let me give the stat line real quick because it, it's still brief, right? He, Of course, Mitch Garver is just going to be like injury riddled. 144 at-bats this year, 23 runs, 12 dingers, 27 RBIs, uh, and then a just over 2-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. And, and he's striking out over 33% of the time, which I think you had previously said was something you were concerned with him on. But the strikeout numbers, again, were high last year. Again, injury last year. He only had 72 at-bats. 236 well, average this year, but a 9 Hundred OPS. So let me just remind you what the big thing I was concerned with last year. Uh, he can't hit off-speed pitches, right? So the off-speed pitches he's hitting two thirds, sorry, one seventy-nine this season, just one thirty-eight against the breaking pitches, slugging only two seventy-eight so far this season against those pitches. 
but he's slugging 725 against the fastball. Nine of his 12 home runs are against the fastball. That's the issue with Garber. Like, if he's in a situation where he gets ahead in the count, he's going to have some success. That's just the reality. And, you know, we see lots of guys like this. Zanino has got a profile that's a little bit like this. Uh, not as stark a difference, but this has always been the concern for Garber. It's always going to be the concern for Garber. And for me, it's the reason I'm out on Garber because it only means we're ever going to see streaks or peaks and valleys with more valleys than peaks. And that's that's the concern I have for Garver. But if you're desperate, like there are some categories here. So that's the upside here with Garver, in my opinion. Yeah. The next guy up is Sevi Zavala, which we should all know because he had one game with three dingers. And that's why he's here. That's why he's even being mentioned. Um, His he had first one... three hits were home runs. But that wasn't his first three career hits. I believe they were. Well, on the season, he's got 35 at-bats, but in the last two weeks, he only has 17. Well, there was something out there about, or or was it the guy, I don't know, I could have sworn there was somebody. Was it the guy in Pittsburgh that had the three straight home runs? Maybe I'm getting those two crossed up. It could have been a Cub because there was some type of Cub that did something. Um, But since the Cub's not named Magical, I don't care. So, uh, But anyway, just with Zavlada or Zavlala, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, I'm not going to try to say it right, and I'm done trying to say it right. So anyway, that guy uh, is temporarily in his position. But if you're desperate, and again, we always talk about not putting any stock into catchers. Well, here's a quick waiver wire pickup ride him for a week, maybe get him into next week and then move on to the next guy, which we do have. We do have the next guy. You could just go to this guy, um, which is Severino, not um, Luis, but Pedro Severino with Baltimore. Now I know, I know it's not perfect, but in 244 at bats this year, uh, he has a 230 average. He's put eight dingers through 28 RBIs, 24 runs, uh, not striking out a ton, 70, well, 69 strikeouts to 27 walks. And, you know, OPS is short of 700, but over the last month, he's been a 835 OPS guy. And that's where five of his eight dingers on the year have come from. So turning it around a little bit, and I have him in a 2014 points league. I have both him and Austin Nolan because of Nola's inconsistency with injuries and things like that. I've just kept him around, which I hate because I hate having two catchers in that format. Um, But I've done it because if one guy's doing well, well, I'll just throw him in for the week and then pretend like that other roster spot that the other guy's taking up isn't crushing me. But he is only 4% owned in Yahoo. So you could always pick him up now, drop him, you know, in a couple of days if you're playing on Yahoo and again, move on. But those are some options rest of season, right? We know that Minnesota unloaded talent. Um, so they're just going to, I'm sure, try to get Garver to play try to get Garver healthy, try to see what he can be. And maybe he could be an off season trade chip. Um, Severino with Baltimore. It's gotta be the same thing because whether we like it or not, Ty Adley Rushman is crushing minor league baseball right now. I think he's got 18, 17 dingers on the year um, doing good things. It's entirely possible that Baltimore could do the immediately after um, suppression time next year. We could see Rushman up and that could be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I've never really been against Rushman as a major league hitter, just as a major league catcher, right? That's the only thing. So, the like, position itself, yeah. Yeah, it's just a waste of talent, right? We've seen way too many good hitters wasted behind the plate. And, you know, Baltimore has already done it with weeders. It would be silly for them to do it again. Okay, well, let's move on to first base here. 
And we've got, um, you know, quick mention on Yandy Diaz. It, we know it's Tampa Bay. We know it's crowded. So it, it can certainly be tough. Um, but don't, you know, don't completely lose lose sight on the fact that from time to time he can be decent for you. Um, and then we've got uh, Connor Joe with, oh, my, my goodness, sorry, with Colorado. Um who now it looks like is just going to play baseball, which is amazing. And I know Connor Joe and have known Connor Joe for a couple of years, Ty, because he was a rule five guy back in 19 and he was shuffled around a little bit and ended up, I think he got sent somewhere from the Dodgers and then was put back on the Dodgers. And then no one updated any status of his whatsoever, because a lot of those rule five guys, as soon as they get, they go back to the team they were with, they just kind of disappear. You know, you don't hear a lot about guys who were selected and returned that then make something of themselves. So Joe ended up, you know, moving around a little bit. And with Colorado in 87 at-bats this year, he's got six runs, two dingers, 14 RBIs, 11 walks, 22 Ks, 276 average, 759 OPS. But since he's been getting some more regular playing time, you know, 15 to 20 at-bats per week over the last two weeks, 344 hitter, 976 OPS. And, um, you know, a good chunk of those runs, both the home runs and seven RBIs. So I'm liking Connor Joe rest of the season. It looks like there's playing time available for him. First base outfield eligible. I did pick him up in a 30 team points league. So for reference, no one owns him if he's available in a 30 team points league because they will take anyone who can hit a home run. Um, look, look on your wire. See if maybe there's a spot for him on your team. Yeah. The only thing that I would uh, note here is profile is eerily similar to Mitch Garver. So fastball, like very much curveball, bats are afraid. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely a guy that I'm I'm watching with a similar perspective. I am uh, the catcher, so um, he does have the advantage of Colorado, like being in that park, right? So for ball movement, that would be the one. If you want to call it a saving grace, if you want to call it his ability to overcome. And again, a big, big ballpark to throw the ball around. Definitely. So, and then Alemius Diaz, who, you know, we know as his, from his time in Toronto, um, traded to Houston and then like somehow still in major league baseball, but I mean, good for him, right? On this season, 841 OPS, 295 average, uh, you know, four to one strikeout to walk ratio, but the numbers are low. You know, he's just over 10% on his strikeout rate. Um, 21 runs, 26 RBIs, six dingers, and he's been a lot, a lot better, a lot more consistent recently. But 20 in 20 at bats last week, five runs, three dingers, four RBIs, um, no walks, three Ks. Interesting guy. Now he's uh, eligible first, second, third outfield on Yahoo. Check your league settings. Same thing. Nobody owns this guy. Um, 17% rostered on yahoo now when i wrote this tie he was two percent rostered so it's <laughs> flying up so just note if you're looking for one of those guys and even even i mean a, a good secondary thing trade deadline acquisition let me diaz will have very little value to a team not competing and if you are a team competing a multi-position guy like this is a perfect plug and play for you know if you're the rendon owner right and you were hoping he would be back and you've been trying to patch it together well maybe you go out and get yourself diaz to thicken your stock from what you can draw definitely and in speaking of a guy that won't have a ton of value for a lot of people not competing josh harrison is a guy that fits that bill 34 year old can't imagine he was drafted in a lot of leagues so if you're in a contract format he's in all likelihood going to be on a one-year deal uh definitely a guy that is going to be available second base is super shallow 
you probably are hurt. If you own Garrett Hampson, you probably need a guy like this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why uh, Josh Harrison is going to be valuable and they're running, you know, in Oakland, you know, Marte yep. and, and Harrison, like there's, there's a lot to like with what this Oakland team is doing from a fantasy perspective. Uh, there's just a lot going on. We haven't really seen uh, a ton of production out of Harrison just yet. Still getting his feet wet. He's going to be seeing some pitching again that, you know, maybe he hasn't seen ever or for the first time. So I wouldn't say pick him up, start him. I'd say pick him up, hold him, give him a couple weeks to get acclimated, and then get him in there. So definitely going to be a guy that you might see play some left field as well. So give you some extra position here down the stretch. Lots to like here with Josh Harrison moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, even in the meantime, Ty, since the trade, he's been in the lineup regularly. So that's another good thing. You know, you see 20 at-bats over the last week, and that's great. Now we can move to um, the exciting part here. What happened when Washington emptied it right out while they went and said, hey, Luis Garcia, uh, it is time for you to hit the ball and um, just do it consistently. We joked um, that this was happening. This was going to happen in Washington now on our last podcast. We said Luis Garcia is just going to be fed to the Wolves. He's going to go and have 1,200 at-bats over the next two seasons because Washington's just going to put him out there and do it. Well, um, it's been a week. He's had 30 at-bats and uh, a 167 average, six 86 OPS, but Hey, he had that two dinger home run night last night. And now everybody's all pumped. He's had three in the last week and some fantasy owners are, are getting excited about Luis Garcia. And I'm with you um, in a, a real money auction league tie that we're in. I approached the owner who I've had some unfortunate trade talks with before, because he seems to think anyone on his team is worth, you know, two and a half times normal value. And he was a Luis Garcia owner. And I said, you know, what's the deal? And we weren't able to even get, you know, get the ground running. He basically just said, you know, give me your top dogs. And uh, I walked away. So I just went back last night and I thought, why don't I try again? Of course, he hits two home runs. So uh, that price went up considerably. And he wanted, uh, so it was Luis Garcia. He asked for Barrio, which is um, former, um, I think it was Garcia. I think it was Jose Garcia with, with Cincinnati. It's now Jose um, Barrio. Uh, was since uh, anyway tri- uh, promoted to AAA recently, but doing very well. And uh, he wanted uh, Canario with now with the Cubs. And I thought, you know, for for a guy who even with a lot of power out, um, still doesn't have a 700 OPS in 45 at bats this year. I'm not going to make that deal. But Luis Garcia is certainly somebody I'm interested in in dynasty leagues. I feel. Let me ask you this, Robbie, because it's a good yeah. measuring stick for the listeners. Would you do a Canario for Luis Garcia trade? Yeah, that's what I countered with. Okay. Yeah, and that's I think that's a reasonable trade. Like Canario and Garcia kind of have the same trajectory, different skill sets, different positions. And but, different timelines. One's ready yeah. now, and and one is probably two seasons at, at most away. You and, know, that, I, and as a, a third party to that trade, that's a fair trade. Like that, and that's the thing I talk about all the time with pretty much anyone I trade with. Like, listen, if we're gonna dick around and you're gonna try to win this trade, let's just stop here, right? If you want to do a baseball trade where you get what you want, I get what I want, then we're both gonna be happy and we can do deals in the future, right? So, that's that's good business in my opinion. Now, there's projectable people like Canario two years ago, right? That maybe you try to get in on early, and and it's a lottery ticket, so it's a different proposition, right? So. I think that's a very good trade, though, if you ask me. Yeah, and I was a little annoyed just because I didn't bother to try to have a line of communication for this deal simply because we, previous to this, 
um, did not have what were what were described by both parties as uh, fair negotiations, right? He, I asked him, I, I looked to take on about $9 in salary, which is actual dollars, um, and get Garcia, who was on a contract that expires in 2024 for 50 cents. And he seemed to think that even though he wasn't playing it, it had come up and struggled, that he was still, you know, valued like you would prime peak Garcia 2018. And I said, like, your shortstop position is filled. You know, I've got Didi. He's hurt. I'm looking to make, a, you know, a move. I can take a chance. And it was basically like, you know, I'm not going in, in, you know, good faith. And I said, okay, well, if that's how you feel, then we're not going to be able to work together. So when I, I thought about it again last night, I'm like, why don't I just try? I'm going to do what I think is fair. And I don't recall the first offer I sent, but it was a one for one. He countered with that two for one. I mentioned, I went back with Canario in a one for one. And I thought, you know what? I don't need to make this deal. I would just be up to make this deal. Cause it's, Three years of control beyond this year for me, it would be five full years of Canario when he is up for him. So that's a you know to me that's a good trade. Anyway, one of the reasons I don't have to make that trade is that I've got Ramon Urias uh, with Baltimore, and you know only two percent owned in Yahoo. He's basically the Pablo Lopez of hitters, right? No one likes him. I'm all over him. I've got him everywhere in Dynasty, and he's working for me. Ty, 284 average on the year, 776 OPS. Uh, in 162 at bats, he now has also a full time job because they've shipped out um, uh, Freddie Galvis, who was, although injured, was the one stopping him. And he's got 22 runs, 25 RBIs, five dangers, a stolen base, uh, three to one ish strikeout to walk ratio. But it's not it's not wholly and, and overly concerning, you know, a little under 20 percent strikeout rate. Um, and he's just stabilized. He's now got regular playing time. He's doing exactly what he was doing when he was up and down. So I'm really happy with Urias where I've got him on a first. I'm really happy. I think you guys should consider him as a backup option for your teams. I would say even 15 team and, and bigger leagues, he would be an option now because he can hold that position for rest of season. He can walk in as a starter next year. I don't think Baltimore is going to go out and acquire Wiley veteran guys again next year for middle infield that would take him away if he can prove he's a 270 or better hitter. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, it, it definitely, the Baltimore team for me, like there's a couple of guys that are coming that I'm super excited about. So this is a short-term play. Uh, but, you know, the rest of this list is interesting though, right? We've got um, a huge upgrade with Willie Thomas moving to Milwaukee. That has been maybe the best thing that ever happened to Willie Thomas. I mean, yeah. it's it's fun to see. Like, I, I enjoy it because he was fun and excitable as a like a leader, and you could see it on TV. He was always in the game. He was always cheering his teammates on. But it looks like this has unlocked either a chip on his shoulder, or he's allowed to become the hitter he that he was traded as. Right? Like when he was coming up through the Detroit system. And for those of you that don't know, like he was traded for David Price originally, and that's where he became like a top prospect. Like that was a big deal when he was included for that David Price trade. And so years later here, he became almost a defensive shortstop, right? With a little bit of home run pop. Now we're starting to see the guy that we thought we might see in Detroit. So I don't know. Are, are you buying this as like a, a new Adamas? Or are you saying this a blip on the radar? No, I, we talked about it before the season started as well, Ty. And we were saying like, everybody needs to pump the brakes on Wander Franco coming up because Willie Adames is a good shortstop. You know, he's, he's, he's good for you offensively. He's good for you defensively, all those things. Well, what did Tampa Bay do? 
shipped him off. And then what happened, like you just described, unlocked, right? He is now doing what everybody wanted him to do. So I like him. I certainly would be interested in acquiring him down the stretch. Um, another guy that's somewhat interesting to me, but to a much lesser extent is Nicky Lopez because Alberto Mondesi is now on a rehab assignment. He could come back and that might stunt some of the playing time for Lopez, although he could just move over to second base and, and be there, but he's kind of an empty average guy. And what I mean by that is 32 at bats over the last two weeks, four runs, three RBIs to show for it. That's it. So if you want an empty average guy, if you're in a five by five and you're just trying not to tank, he is your perfect second baseman on a fill in. And that's why he's only owned in 4%. And in dynasty leagues, if anyone is trying to tell you that he's worth more, uh, I don't even know what he would be getting in points per game right now. It's, it couldn't be more than two and a half. If all he's doing is slapping singles or just not, or maybe it's a double, but he's not getting driven in, you know, like I just, I can't see him being valuable in, especially in a long-term, but as a fill-in guy, he's there. I mean, if I'm picking Ty, if you were going to pick from one of these four guys in Urias, Lopez, Garcia, and Adames for your middle infield, because most of these guys are both second base and shortstop eligible. Um, and let's throw Josh Harrison in there too. If you're acquiring one for your competitive team down the stretch, who do you want? It's a dumbass for me. It's not even close. Like it's not even in it's the today and tomorrow. Part. That's what you like about it all. Yeah. Like, I mean, the only guy in my opinion that even challenges a dumbass is potentially Luis Garcia. And that that's assuming he does things. I still think there's, right. a yeah, it's not guy. today. I still think there's a platoon guy there. That's what I, that's what scares me about Luis Garcia. It's not so much the ability or the talent, it's the splits. That's that's the thing I am I'm very cautious about because I don't yeah. I don't know that it's gonna be where I want it. Yeah, I, I mean it's fair. Like I don't think that that uh Luis Garcia is ready to like light the world on fire. He had a good night. What I like about him is the fact that there's now playing time. That's yes. that's it. Like like it's opportunity. That's all it is. And the next guy that I want to talk about, Ty, is Mr. Opportunity. Do you remember that song? No. There was a song. It was like a dance song that would be on like, um, you know, a Jock Jams CD. If anyone remembers CDs or compact discs, um, but it would be Mr. Opportunity. You're so ugly. Anyway, um, so Carter Keboom, who's not ugly. I'm sure great looking guy. Uh, Carter Keboom. Pardon me? His stat line is. Oh, come on. That hurts. Well, not the, not for the season though, Ty, because in his 32 at bats, although I guess I'll, I'll use the last month in his 35 at bats the last month, because that's been updated. He's got seven runs, two dingers, six RBIs, um, almost even on strikeout to walk. And I'm being a little generous. He's got five walks, eight Ks, but you get the idea. It's, it's fine. Uh, 314 average, 919 OPS. Boom, boom. Boom. Get me some key. Boom. Anyway, this is a blip, but like, let's just hope that he's able to be a 250 plus hitter by the end of the season. And he has 200 at bats. I'd be so just happy. One last that. thing on Luis Garcia before we move on, like just yeah, pulling yeah. career splits right now, 167 hitter against the lefty still small sample size. Right. But there is some minor league data that correlates with that. So against the righties, like more than a reasonable hitter here. Right. So if you're somehow capable of platooning him, then that's a good play. That's a strong play. So um, just wanted to finish on that. But Kyrie Keboom for me, I, I'm, I'm interested because he's going to get the shot that he hasn't been given yet. Right. right. Like we know like the rest of the season, it, like for me, it's put up or shut up, right? Like for, for Keboom, he's either got to do it. But the thing that 
is probably the most concerning piece. And the thing that will make or break him the rest of the season is the home run numbers, in my opinion, because if not, he's going to have to find a different position. That's fair. Yeah. You can't, you can't have a, a guy with, without 20 plus home run pop uh, potential, at least at third base, which is a, an issue with Alec Bohm right now, who we're going to talk about uh, in a bit. Um, I am with you on that one. One guy who does not struggle in that area is Kyle Seeger, who has 22 dingas on the year. His average sucks. So if you're in five by five, you probably hate, you probably hate Kyle Seeger uh, 218 average. But if you're OPS, you're good. Cause in the last month it's been 857 um, strikeout to walk. The last month has been really good. 14 walks to 19 Ks on the year, 44 runs. 67 RBIs, so he's in line to have 60 runs by the end of the year and well north of 80 RBIs. Could could easily be into 90 if Seattle picks it up or, or you know, whatever, maintains what they've been doing. Um, and Kyle Seager's getting it done. I don't see him losing playing time down the stretch. This is just your everyday stardom guy. And I, I'm i in on Seager. I, where I own him, I'm not the happiest, but that has more to do with the format than what he's been doing for me. He's accounting counting cats guy more so than he is um, a five, you know, five category guy. Never been a solo mates guy. I love his swing. It just, he's terrible at pitch recognition. Like it just, it's just one of those guys that has all the power in the world and does very little with it. Right. But he has, he has at least hit and somebody else who is now his teammate is Abraham Toro. um, Another second base, third base eligible guy. What's his ownership? 20. Okay. So it's went up immensely since I wrote this was 14% when I did it's now 27 on Yahoo. Uh, That just lets you know that dynasty owners can take note that, okay, he's in Seattle. What happened last year with the guys that went um, to Seattle? Ty France. Oh, that's right. Uh, You know, there's that like phony inflation that that you're going to pay because there's playing time here. So you got to make it like Ty said before, a real baseball trade, but you know, an 813 OPS for the year, 255 average, it's been better in the last month, which has been uh 75 at bats versus the 50 or so we had prior to that this year. And uh, you know, just a good addition, somebody to look at. I wouldn't center a trade around him. Uh, I, I would certainly be interested in that as a Kyle Seeger owner. It's always good to maybe have the next guy up. Um, which Seattle did not have. It now looks like Abraham Toro may be the next third baseman. Yep, I, I would agree with that. And I think they're like Seager a free agent after next season or after this season. Uh, I feel like it's got to be next. Otherwise, they they had to have tried to trade him, right? Yeah. Like he's, well, he's got he money must, though. Yeah, he's I was just saying he, he's got the biggest contract in town right now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not a totally against him. Um, I'd like to see some. I'd like to see a change of scenery for him. I think just to see if there is anything else in that tank with a different organization. Um, it might have to wait until we know what's up with Depoto because we know he's in the last year of his contract. If Depoto's back, he'll have some type of mandate under whatever the contract is that he he would be uh, extended, and that might be the you know need to get rid of. Kyle Seeger and reset, or it might be, I need Kyle Seeger to be peak Kyle Seeger for a year, right? Like you need the dip back into the well, like the Joey Votto. Yeah, totally agree. Um, moving into our next group here. Lots uh, of outfielders. We're into the outfield. We're going to start with San Francisco. We got a couple guys here. Uh, I'll, I'll hand it to you really quickly, Robbie for rough. And then I'll take the, uh, the second one there. Uh, we've talked a lot about rough over the last couple of weeks. You've been, on that train, he's one of your guys that is that 
precious, precious playing time scenario uh, that you like to go on and on and on about. But question I have for <laughs> hey, you. hey, what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> on and on and on about. Come on. I'm, I'm going to lead into this. Does his playing time drop dramatically now that Brandon Belt's back? It is. It is hard to think that they are going to drop him back, um, but he should still be starting four-ish times a week, three to four. So yes, that's a bit of a drop. That might be as many, like you might, I would say pencil him in for 15 to 20 at-bats, not the 25 that he had last week. Um, I think that's fair. And that's also going to mean that the at-bats he gets are good matchups for Darren Ruff. And when Ruff came back from the KBO this past offseason, it was to do exactly what he's doing in San Francisco, which over the last month has been hitting over a thousand OPS, over 300 average, uh, and and that's limited, 60 at bats, right? That's the right matchups for Darren Ruff. And where I do own him, I mean, we're we're big leagues, like 24 team leagues. I've got him in a 20 team league, but but the others are 30 team leagues because nobody was thinking about him, and that's because you have to realize that this is a complete bust option in your offseason. And if you only have 26 roster spots, a guy like Darren Ruff typically is not going to make it. Now, in the, the one league that I've got him, um, it's because we could have had 26 MLB contracts. And then there's the first and the second and third, whatever, with 40 different dudes. So it was easier to get him. But for the year, 279 average, 957 OPS, it's good. You know, last year when he came back, 267 average, 887 OPS. That was the telltale sign in 87 at-bats that Darren Ruff could be a viable option on a crappy San Francisco team. Well, it's been a good San Francisco team. So now those at-bats just become more important. And I still like them down the stretch. But again, daily lineups, or if you can make a um, a change in your lineup in the week, that's when I would look to see what's up. That's where I, where I want Darren Ruff the most, down the stretch. Because uh, there are several outfield options that are ideal just this year down the stretch, Darren Ruff would be close to the top of my list for all the reasons stated. Nobody wants him. Nobody has him. Um, nobody thinks that he's going to get playing time rest of year. Well, and I mean, his numbers are really good and really balanced, right? Like, you know, like lefty ready splits are, are almost equal. Six home runs from each side, 284 from the left, 275 from the right. So all those things line up for playing time. And it, I think it will hurt the next guy a little bit but only because I think it's going to move them uh, around a little bit more in the lineup. And that's Lamont Wade Jr., who has phenomenal platoon splits. And we're talking about a guy that this season has hit a home run every 11 at-bats against right-handers. Now, in 21 at-bats, he has one hit against left-handers. So that's not all that good because A, he's not getting at-bats, and B, he's not doing anything with them. So that is definitely... Something to note here with, with Wade Jr., especially with belt back, rough putting some pressure on, on playing time. Lamont Wade Jr. is definitely going to be a guy here that you're only starting against righties because he rakes against righties. He has an almost uh, – sorry, this season, OPS 976 against righties. Huge. Lovely. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had him in my lineup pretty much all season in one of our super deep leagues that I – I'm waiting for my outfield crop to start graduating, um, but we're not there yet. So From high school or uh, high school, <laughs> double A, single A, you know, international draft, you name it. I'm, I'm pulling them from all over. But uh, this is a guy that, um, you know, definitely I think could evolve 
I, what I would really like to see from Wade Jr. is an offseason trade to an American League team. That's what I want to see. I want to see him get platoon bats in the American League where he can DH because he is a very good defensive replacement. So very good center fielder, can play both corners, obviously. San Francisco's perfect for him. So there's going to be a bats regardless. It just it's it's not going to be the primary position player that that I'd like him to be. So a good addition to win you some games with smart depth later late in the season in your deeper formats. Okay. Well, the next guy up here, Ty. This is to me more of a target, especially in Dynasty. He's got to be owned, and that's Harrison Bader of St. Louis. Now, the only way I can see him not being owned in even a 15 team league is if you don't have five outfielders. If you have five outfielders, he's a top 75 outfielder. You, he's got to be owned. Um, no excuses. But I w- I'm looking at him for. For beyond, I, I like what the setup is in St. Louis with him, and um, down the stretch, I think this could be a good thing. Now, Ty, here is a fun trade that I sent to someone last night in a 2014 points league. Okay, keep in mind these two factors: one, 24 teams; two, points league. Okay, so you got to look at some different factors than you would across all the categories. I offered injured Seattle first baseman Evan White and Harrison Bader lighting the world on fire right now for Luis Garcia, Washington. So just, just Garcia. It was at my two for his one. He rejected the trade and I don't understand why. Can you tell me why you would reject that trade? Because he doesn't know how to analyze statistics would be my guess. But you know, the one thing I will say about Harrison Bader is a he's garbage and B, his splits, <laughs> his splits are not good either. And I feel like I, I've talked a lot about splits tonight, but this is a guy with a 295 average against the righties, but just 227 against the lefties. He's only had 22 at bats. So of his 168 at bats this season, only two, 22 of them have been against the lefties. So this is a known platoon player in, in St. Louis, right? Now, good defensive outfielder. So that bodes well for him, but those splits are concerning. Right and long tailed in dynasty, like I'm, I'd be out on Bader. I've been out on Bader, but you know, knowing what we know, like you, you have to be concerned about this. And and it's definitely a shorter term scenario uh, because his career splits are not that way. Uh, his career splits are actually a lot more balanced and actually a lot stronger hit tool wise against the lefties traditionally. So. Just something to look for. We've seen over the last couple of years the shift in reverse splits, like becoming a more consistent thing out of the bullpen especially. So that could be playing a bit of a role in the Bader adjustment. So something I'd be looking at myself. But definitely a prevalent um, discrepancy in at-bat totals. So St. Louis recognizes it. So just career-wise, 802 at-bats versus righties and 283 versus lefties. So that is enough to make you question the scenario here. Uh, it should be a little bit closer to 800, 800, 450, 500. would be a little bit more of a regular split just to give you some context. But that's definitely something that I'm cautious of myself. Okay, well, fair enough. Now, here's somebody who uh, definite crapshoot rest of the season, but the, the line when given opportunity 
has been good. That's Yadiel Hernandez with Washington. Uh, 109 at-bats. I, I don't even know how he was able to get that high so far. He's just now lost rookie eligibility, but he's, what, 31, something like that? Anyway, with Washington outfielder, 312 average, 831 OPS for the year, 17 runs, four home runs, 13 RBIs, two stolen bases, roughly 3-1 to one strikeout-to-walk ratio, and it's a little under 25% strikeout rate. Um, Hernandez looks like he's in line to just get consistent playing time rest of season. Now over the last seven days or since the trade deadline, he's been the fifth best player in fantasy. We know that can happen from one good game, you know, two good games. That's, that's okay. That's not the big thing here, but this is one of those depth moves again, 30 team league. I picked up Hernandez two days ago on the waiver wire. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that even in your big leagues, you do not have 30 guys keened up looking to find ways to win you have a lot of guys probably i would say at least a third of your league has checked out by now no matter what league you're in no matter what size because guys see that there's no way for them to win because you're in the league and you listen to us and you're better so (laughs) go get yadiel hernandez and be better well in last 15 games robbie did touch on your point like this isn't one of those recency bias kind of things like like there's a body of work here 30 games numbers are great but Last 15 games, 12, 27 OPS. That's strong, right? And with not a ton of home runs, only two in 35 at-bats. So just extra base hits really is what we're seeing here. Uh, And, you know, we talked about this right off the offset tonight. Power versus home runs, not the same thing, right? So power can happen. You know, Lyle Overbay is a guy that I always think of when I think of guys that didn't have a ton of home run pop but had OPS because they just banged doubles all day. Yeah, knew knew how to put the ball or knew how to hit the ball hard, but they weren't willing to put the loft on it. And then we got into the whole. Sorry, basically me and my over 30 league. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, then then we got into the whole um, Daniel Murphy and launch angle and boom, the game changed from an analyst perspective where people wanted to talk about home runs and the launch angle and all these things being important. But you go back to guys that just smack the ball into gaps. You can hit them hard. You can hit them soft. They're in the gap. It's a double. So mm-hmm. uh, somebody else who's very frustrating for fantasy owners, and we know from uh, our good friend Michael Govier, very frustrating for a fan base, is Robbie Grossman. Um, in, what is it, 373 at-bats this year, Grossman has a 233 average, but a 773 OPS. He's got 72 walks, which is so, so good. 105 strikeouts. 59 runs, which means he's in line for 80 runs this year, 16 dingers. So he's going to be north of 20, 51 RBIs. He should be north of 70, 12 stolen bases. He could be north of 15. So Robbie Grossman is putting together a pretty solid line in everything but average. But over the last month, he has been putting in the work with a 275 average in the last two weeks, 286. Last week, 300. He's been making better contact. So Robbie Grossman on a surge. I don't know that I would be comfortable, Ty, picking him up, but sometimes you just got to get rid of the name and look at the numbers and the opportunity. Grossman's not going to be getting benched down the stretch. He's got a two-year deal. He's going to keep playing. I don't know. And the Tigers, they've had a winning record for three straight months. That's crazy. It was just in May. Like that's, that's not April, right? Yeah. I was going to say it was that, that, Bad start. Everything seemed to go awry. And then it was a lot of the conversation was about the fact that, oh, those young pitchers aren't getting it done and oh, this and oh, that. And the conversations became negative and they were never going to win. And 
you know, I mean, the White Sox being who the White Sox have been, it's been able you everyone's been able to just like cast it aside. But yeah, there's there's a great example, right? On a on a winning team the past three months, but it's very much like Seattle, who Seattle, I think it was in May, they had a huge dip, a ton of injuries, and they just got like got their cheeks blown out a few times. I think that's yeah. a phrase. I think that's a phrase. <laughs> um, but outside of that, their run differential is fine, but you have to incorporate that overall. And the run differential looks terrible for a team like and, Seattle. And they just took two of three from Boston, which we like to see. Right. So, you know, lots to like there. And, yeah. you know, like Detroit is, is for real and like Candelario doing his thing, slow start now hitting 277, 774 average. Right. Uh, Jonathan Scope, 287, 799 OPS quietly just doing his thing there. Right. We talked about uh, Grossman already. Like there, there's some things happening in Detroit. Tariq Skubal, five innings shadow ball again today. Right, that ERA is now down to four three two after some very shaky starts off the beginning of the season here. So, you know, just there's a lot of good things happening in Detroit, and nobody's talking about it yet, and they should be because this Detroit team uh, is going to cost me some money this year uh, based on their win total that I didn't <laughs> think was even remotely plausible that seventy wins would be on the table, but I think they're going to get there. Okay, well, we'll move on to a team that'll be lucky to scrape. 17 wins together next year and that's the cubbies but they've got rafael ortega who says hey i can be a 17 war guy i'm joking um but in 122 at bats for the year and he did have four more tonight so depending on your league settings he may soon be available if you can't pick up rookies until they've exceeded the rookie limits ty we're in that one league i bet you ortega is a free agent in that one um he's got a 331 average ops just under 900 for the year Six dingers, uh, 17 runs, 15 RBIs, four stolen bases, which is nice. The strikeout percentage is right around 25%. Um, not walking. No, sir. Does not like the walk. About 5-6%. Very anti-walk. Uh, but Ortega looks like he's just going to be in the lineup every day. He had 29 at-bats last week since the Cubbies have made their moves. You know, you're going to see a lot of Patrick Wisdom. You're going to see Ortega. They're going to be getting shots, right? The opportunity are there for guys like this on the Cubs. I don't mind taking a shot at one of these guys down the stretch. I don't want them to be my ride or die. You know, if I'm at, if I'm looking at my trade deadline, how do I get better? He is one of those bench options. He's not a starting option for me, but I mean, to each his own. I I think Ortega Cubs in general, and you, as you just said, with Detroit, um, these are the teams that you have to go and look at and say, what's going on here? Where can I take advantage? Yeah, I completely agree. And there's lots of opportunity out there. Uh, speaking of opportunity, Brett Phillips, right, is a guy that has had um, some things thrown at him and has done a great job of having the fans involved in him catching fly balls, uh, which is great. I mean, Brett Phillips is just <laughs> he's a fun pitched. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a fun guy, right? Like we like fun guys. That makes baseball better. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the video of the Jays clubhouse this week. Uh, the little dance bar. Yes. Uh, the Simber. The Simber shuffle. Yeah. The night, the night, no, the nightclub in the, in the, oh, no. if you haven't seen that, it's worth a look. Uh, I see the, the home run jacket they've got. I love that. The home run jacket's fun. More but, more but props. <laughs> the, the nightclub in the locker room is is exactly what the Jays are. And I'm, all I've seen on my Twitter feed is like other fan bases saying like, how can you not want to root for these guys? Like they're having so much fun. 
and they are. You can see it. Like if you watch the, the telecast night in and night out, you you see it. But yeah. Brett Phillips is the kind of guy that does the same thing and has fun all the time. He just I don't think he has a serious bone in his body, uh, which is maybe why he's hitting two ten. But at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he certainly could be helpful. He's helping you in a couple different categories. I think really righty platoon here, I think, is the way Tampa is going to use him down the stretch. Uh, lefty stick. He had a grand slam last week. So there's enough here to, to like. But I do think he's going to be a righty platoon down the stretch. And I, I will tack on because I think having Brett Phillips in one league in particular where I've been approached by more than one person for him. I know that he's a viable option in deep dynasty leagues and it's for exactly what Ty just said. He's got multiple categories, right? He's got 12 stolen bases for this year. What do you think he's going to do when Tampa Bay is in a pinch? They're going to put him in and say, can you please try to steal this base? Can you please move over? So if you're in a daily lineups league, you got to watch and look at the lineup is, is Phillips in Um, who else is on, you know, who else is going into your team for your lineup? Brett Phillips is a great throw in guy. Uh, in a trade, you know, okay, let's get this done. Blah, blah, blah. Phillips, you know, Phillips gets it done for me. Let's, let's just get this done. And it's, it's not a crazy ask and nobody should say, oh no, I need him because of what Ty just said. He, he doesn't have the average. He doesn't have all the big dirty stats that you want to see. What he's got is a body of work. And that can just, that can be good for you for a brief period of time, you know, maybe for a few nights out of a week, whatever you can make it work. Um, If we're switching now to somebody who could make it work, rest of year let's go with mr quad a no more edward Oliveras with kansas city ty touched on this the last episode um with kansas city making the trade for jorge soler this finally frees up a regular role for edward Oliveras, who in 44 at bat so far this year 273 average 781 ops but let's get more realistic he's now up um only 11 at bats last week but all signs point to go 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 and i would say if you are looking to get some outfield boost rest of season into the off season one of those hype train guys this is it edward Oliveras could have a good rest of august into september and then just shoot up lists like crazy so you could pay a, a bit of a price for him today i think ty and really reap the rewards if you wanted to do a flip in the off season or just hold them just make them an outfielder for you yeah, I mean, for me, the only thing I'm really concerned with here, and like I'm just, I'm looking a little deeper as as you're talking, is the exit velocity here. So we talked about it, you know, specifically with Omar Narvea in the past. Exit velocity this year, 85.8, which is actually up from 82.7 in 2020, which is, that's hard to do, like right. at the major league level, the way the, the velocity is coming in. Barrel rate is low at 5.9. So, you know, there's just some things here that are concerning, but, but the hard hit ratios aren't brutal. Like they're, they're not great. They're not brutal though. Um, but the thing that's alarming and, and I, the thing that actually brings the exit velocities down is versus the breaking pitches. So this, this could be a learning curve, right? So I'd have to dig a touch deeper into minor league history here, but, but I do think there's a hitter here because, you know, I watched him against the Jays and, and it, I've talked about this all the time. I'm a little bit more of an eye test guy. When I see swings, I think this swing can adjust. I think he will learn, and I think he's going to fit into maybe not a post-hype because I don't think he was ever super hyped. He was just a guy that people thought could be a major league hitter in, in San Diego. Uh, and, I, and I think this is his – he landed with the right ball club, in my opinion. I think they're going to give him a shot. 
down the stretch. I think it's a big reason why Solaire was shipped out. Uh, I, but I, th- I think he'll figure it out. But I would expect some pain points on the breaking pitches down the stretch. Yeah, and I certainly think that that is the reason why he was shipped out was Kansas City thought here is our opportunity to get some type of return and give the guy playing time. So somebody else who playing time is no longer an issue is Brent Rooker with uh, Minnesota. This was a weird one last year. He was an old rookie. I think he was 25 when he broke Mm -hmm. in last year. I believe that's right. It was, he was, he was one of those guys who it was, he should have debuted and, you know, baseball happened. Right. So anyway, now it looks like he's got regular playing time. I'm not saying he's going to light the world on fire. I'm just putting everyone on notice that Brent Rooker is out there and he might be worth taking a shot off. Excuse me. The OPS could be the thing that gets you there. He had three dingers two weeks ago. Nothing last week in 22 at bats. I don't know, having not done the deep dive, uh, what we can look at for Brent Rooker from a long-term perspective. What's the likelihood of Brent Rooker and 400 at bats next year. But right now, um, five outfielder leagues, just a guy to consider. Yeah. And you talk about this all the time in terms of like 40 man roster, right? Where to value prospects, which I, I always like to listen to. But in this particular scenario, like something to keep in mind is where the organization sees guys, right? So if you look at the lineup, like Brent Rooker's hitting two tonight. And right. they I know want that. Lineup, yeah. So they see something or they want to see what he can be uh, given the opportunity. And, and I think you're going to see him continue to do it. Like he was only drafted in 2017, right? College bat. So there's still room for development here. And as Robbie said, like there's been depth in front of him. There's no depth behind him in Minnesota, at least not right now. Austin Martin is really going to be the next bat in Minnesota that's going to push. But at the same time, I think that trade uh, for Austin Martin is the assumption that Byron Buxton is leaving. Right. So I don't think that hurts Rooker. I think it actually, you know, kind of uh, enables him a little bit. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's I think there's a lot here that we still got to see. The barrel rates are high. Right. We have 11-8 this season with 14-3 last season. So contact's going to be there, which means we're going to see hit tool. We're going to see batting average come up, which is the big concern this year. Right. The batting average is just 192. Um, So I I think they're going to let it run. And I think this is a guy that I'd be buying now looking towards 2022. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now, here's somebody. This was my one of my Mr. 2019s, Josh Van Meter. Do you do you long-term, I'm long-time listeners remember him? Josh Van Meter. <laughs> Can as, you be as tired? As your co-host. I haven't got to talk about him for over a year. <laughs> it's been a great year. It's been a great year. <laughs> well, I'm back on the train, but here's why. Just, just hear me out, everybody. After an abysmal 2020 and a crummy stretch where I think he got traded in 2019 from Cincinnati to Arizona. And then like had maybe two weeks where he got opportunity to play and then got benched as Arizona at the time was a competitive ball club. Well, now, now everything's fallen out from underneath him and Josh Van Meter is going to get playing time here. And in the last month, Van Meter has been a 263 hitter, 844 OPS and all stats, right? All categories here, five runs, 10 RBIs, two dingers, two stolen bases. Um, strikeout to walk ratio is not great, but that's just him not walking three walks in those 57 at bats, but only 16 strikeouts. So, you know, we're 25 or ish percent, 30, yeah, 25% or so for the strikeout rate. So that's not going to crush it. But if you're looking for someone who can be in your lineup, 
multi-position eligible first, second outfield, depending on, you know, what, what you're playing on. Van Meter should be free, rostered in approximately 0% of Yahoo leagues. So um, I, I know I have them in one, one Yahoo league. So I, that's wrong, Yahoo. It's decimal. Uh, it's zero <laughs> decimal something. They're just not showing the decimals. So he's he's owned partially by me. And maybe you should consider him too. And again, this is like deep flyer down the stretch. And this is this is the kind of pickup that you can get today before rosters freeze or anything like that happens. And it could be value later because I don't know, Todd, do you think Arizona is going to make a push in the off season to get better? Or do you think they're just going to like wallow for a year? I think they're going to wallow for a year and opportunities there for, for Van Meter in my opinion. Say because like the couple of their prospects that they were expecting to push through yeah. have bombed. Right. Well, so and I, Corbin I, Carroll's hurt. So it's not like he was going to come up at 21 next year, but still, you know, he's not pushing. So he lost totally. a full year. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know the answer to that question because they've talked about the front office in Milwaukee or in Arizona, sorry, and, and how much people think they're doing a great job. Well, it's shit. Results. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but keep in mind, there are some guys that are off the radar that we haven't seen. Like, Rubik or um, Bukowskis was hurt this year. Corbin yep. Martin is still trying to find who he once was. Right there, there are some pieces where it could go the other way very quickly. Obviously, Kettle Marte. Like if I'm if I'm that front office, I'm looking to move Kettle Marte in the offseason for a big haul. I think I think that's the move that they need to do. Whether they have the gall to do it, that's a different animal. So I mean, that's if if you're that front office, I think that's this is that moment. Like you're either going to be a, a good front office in, in trade Marte and get three valuable players back, or you're going to be the people that should have traded Marte and didn't. Right. Because if you weren't willing to do it at the trade deadline this year, which you, you don't, you don't need to be, um, you need to be thinking about it in the future. Now, Ty, I got to hand the next one off to you. We did talk about him before, but just reiterate for the listeners. We, we know um, Keston Hira needs to be better but until he is this might be the guy in milwaukee getting it done yeah i mean rowdy Talese. i've talked about him for what two years now Robbie. like this guy can hit right and he's had injuries he's had playing time issues like toronto wasn't the right spot for him and it's unfortunate because he's a good hitter and funny enough toronto needs a left-handed bat and they let him go and i said this when the trade happened Robbie. like this was the the trade we did as a jay Jays fans that I didn't like. Um, I, not necessarily because we traded to Lee's. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I just don't like the value that we got for him. I think we right. should get more. And I think he's showing that already in the brief stint here in Milwaukee. Like his numbers since being traded are very strong. Um, he's hitting, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Uh, I can pull them up as I try to stall here for a couple no, of seconds. No, I've, I've got, so uh, he's last month. So 53 at bats, he's 340, just under 1100 OPS, five dingers in that time, 16 RBIs, 10 runs, and then one to one strikeout to walk ratio, which is really good for him. Um, and it's 10 to 10 in those 53 at bats, so 20% uh, or a little under 20% strikeout rate, but a 20% walk rate at the same time. Awesome. Yeah. Like Rowdy Talese <laughs> is a good baseball player. Rowdy Talese needs this the operator, not the operation, needs the organization to give him the time. Hopefully Milwaukee will do it to your point, Ty. They don't have a choice, in my opinion. Like since being traded, like these are the numbers: 340 average, 1098 OPS, five bombs in 
in just 21 games, right? So in those 21 games, 53 at-bats, right? So a home run every 10 at-bats, essentially, right? Those are fantastic totals uh, for a guy learning new pitching, right? Right until these can hit. We saw it last season. He fought some injuries, and we've seen it throughout this year. He's back, and I, and I, I wish him well, and I hope I hope we regret that trade. Because I'm a big fan of Rowdy Phillies myself. Not to mention, anytime you cheer for a guy named Rowdy, I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah, so we'll move on to pitchers. Um, we can go a little bit quicker since we don't have – it's it's a little bit – not less impactful, but everybody who has two good starts is, max, is, is immediately picked up. But Zach Thompson is one of those guys who's got 42 and two-thirds innings this year of 253 ERA ball, a strikeout per inning – but uh, only two wins to show for all that good work of his and two quality starts. Zach Thompson is somebody that I'm I'm looking at, but in the dynasty leagues where he is on rookie contracts for some of those contract leagues and in the keep forevers, the value is just inflated right now, and I can't I can't make a logical uh, acquisition without paying too much. So I'm passing on a guy like him. It's like it's like rent in New York. It's too damn high. Yeah. Uh, Oh, okay. And to transition, a guy that I would pay the Piper for tie is Jamison Tyon, who is in New York. And in 37 and a third innings over the last month, he's put together 35 Ks, a 145 ERA, 4 and 0 record with four quality starts. I am excited. Billy B, you were asking before, what do you think of Tyon? I said, yes. Um, Ty, I think you said you were not willing to tie on to him. Um, I wish I owned Tyon so I could trade him to some sucker like you. You did that last year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you traded and, it. And, and it was for Frankie Montas and some other guys. Yeah. And it worked really well for me. And I'm happy. We're to both do happy. It. We're both happy yeah. with the deal. A hundred percent. But but Tyon for me is a ticking time bomb. I just think there's some injuries here. He relies too much on the hook. Um, has had the arm troubles to go with it. And and that concerns me big time. I just I think there's a health issue. It's never been about talent, it's never been about stuff with Tyon. It's just been about how much he's going to spend on the field. And I, I stick with that and uh, I'll die on this hill if I have to. And I'll be wrong if I have to be. And that's fine. But that's why I'm out. It's more injury concern than anything else. Okay. Now this one is more of um, anybody should be able to go get him if they want him. And if you have to pay a bit of a, a, a it would be a very minimal price, I think, to get him. But Matt Harvey, uh, we talked about the fact that he was, I think, the fourth best player the last two weeks or something like that. Cause he had, you know, two good starts in a row. Well, he was having another one and then got hurt and had to be pulled after four innings. Now, this, I, I mean, you know, people hate Matt Harvey. Um, you know, he he did this, that, or the other, whatever. I don't want somebody to be hurt and miss when they're when they're doing the when they're playing the best baseball they have played in five plus years. And Matt Harvey was finally having a stretch. Like I, it was brief, right? It was what 26 innings of 277 ball with 15 Ks, three and one record, but I don't care. He was doing it and he tweaked his knee. So now there's some potential as to if he's going to hit his next start or not. I would consider him maybe as the last guy to pick up on my roster down the stretch, because if he comes back, it could be fine, but this is a risky acquisition if you're making it or a risky waiver wire pickup if you're making it. But you know what? You can do worse than taking a chance on Matt Harvey now that he's proven prior to this little injury blip that he may have stabilized Ty, What do you think about a guy like Harvey? Are you interested? Not in most leagues. His, like, for me, it's different because I generally, and you know this, traditionally build my teams around pitching, right? So for right. me... You lo- you're a big Chris Sale guy. 
almost almost hi so, is not a big chris sale guy just so we're clear. I, i'm happy to sell sale um that's fun to say but anyway um <laughs> you know, the, the point is, is i would just wouldn't own harvey because generally i don't need that depth but that said if i did need that depth i wouldn't shy away from harvey right because i do think there's playing time i do think there's going to be innings and i do think in most formats he's going to give you some form of value now you have to know who to sit him against. And I think that's the mistake most people make owning a guy like Matt Harvey is that you don't roll him out against the Blue Jays or the Houston Astros or the Boston Red Sox, but you do start him against Cleveland. You do start him against a Seattle. Even though Seattle's winning, you might take the loss. You're probably still going to get good statistics in other categories to help you. So that's the thing that most people make the mistake of is when to sit these guys. Like not everybody's as bold as you are with Jorge Lopez – but that's, I mean, that's the reality here. Is like, I, but, well, in all honesty, the, to your point, uh, Lopez is the type of guy who I may have given eight starts to. You know, I may have given 12, but yeah. I would not have given the 22 that he's made this year. Matt Harvey would be in the exact same position early in the year. I had him in a 30-team league. I traded him, I traded him to Roto Ronnie. And I even um, looked to reacquire him down the stretch because Roto Ronnie's team stinks in that league um and i can say that because he's not here to defend himself even though he did beat me it in that league uh over the all-star break which really hurt my feelings and then he immediately sold off all of his expiring contracts i love it when you have that kind of hate in like that competitive fire in a head-to-head league that's what makes it fun right we're do we're playing fantasy baseball for fun and Ro- ronnie said to me i needed to beat you because that is now like the highlight of the year for him right he he beat me. My team's very good, blah, blah, blah. But I am now in a really weird position where I'm nine and seven, but I have like the fifth most points in that league. Um, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> next guy up here is Will Crow with Pittsburgh. Crow, th- there isn't a lot to talk about here. This is just somebody who's only owned in 5% of leagues. It's went up because he's just going to start rest of year. You could get anywhere from, you know, north of a five ERA to something s- sub 350. Um I don't Bob, see. He got banged up pretty good today. He gave up seven. Oh yeah, uh, he did. I see. Just three earned though. Um, so I'm playing him in four innings, five Ks. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I played him in one of my leagues, eight hits, right? It, and I really needed those seven runs to get that inflated ERA on my opponent's lineup here. Um, <laughs> so whoever made that error, you suck because um, you hurt me there. But it's it is what it is. Um, I, I'm, I've said this before. Like we we liked the move to Pittsburgh for Will Crow as an opportunity. We're now seeing that opportunity, right? But Will Crow is still a guy that needs to prove a lot. So there's a lot of those guys in the Pittsburgh organization right now. <laughs> you know, see Park, yeah. see Chavis, see pretty much anyone they've drafted in the last 10 years. Well, uh, I forget what the trade was now. I'm, I'm uh, lapsing on the name that uh, was with Atlanta for Rodriguez that they got back. If it was Colt, it wasn't Colby Allard. He's in Texas. Um, whoever it was that was in that trade, he's he started on oh, Monday. Bryce Wilson. Wilson, thank you. He started on Monday and battled. Like, you know, he did like the perfect type of Pittsburgh start where he just got some innings and did what he had to do. And that's, I mean, that's a similar situation to Austin Gomber in Colorado, who, although his line looks better, Still in 91 and a third innings this year, he's got 89 Ks, a 404 ERA, 
got his tits lit in the last start against San Diego that, you know, that you blow up from time to time. That was a blow up for him. Um, the last two weeks hasn't looked great, but still getting the, getting the strikeouts. So you know what you're getting with the Colorado pitcher. And we know what's happening in Colorado, which is that wins are going to be incredibly hard to come by. But if you're in a quality starts league, he has had two quality starts in his last three outings. So keep in mind what you could get from a guy like Austin Gomber. Um, you know, we always, we always have to tread lightly with the um, Colorado pitchers because they're so often owned very little outside of German Marquez. And when they don't have good starts, it's really easy for people to shove it in our faces, but nobody wants to talk about, you know, the big quality guys that they actually do have. Um, Brad so, Keller. Yeah. So one, one quick really thought there, cause we talked, touched on the Colorado thing. Like this is a really interesting split. Right. And so 18 starts the season, 11 on the road, seven at home, his home ERA guess. I want, I want you with, unless you have it in front of you, I don't guess Austin Gomber home ERA 2021, because you'll be wrong. Okay. So that just tells me that he's better at home than on the road, which is fine. Does it? Does it? I don't know. I'm going to say You're making yeah. an awful assumption to slant my comment. <laughs> I'm going to say his ERA is, so he's 404 for the year. I will say he's a three ERA guy at home. That way he's a five ERA on the road. What What's up? So his ERA total, 404, as you said, yeah. is 5-4 on the road. Pause hey. for dramatic. So I was off one by four, but nine, nine, At home, yeah. one nine eight. That is amazing. So for all of you that were trying to figure out why Colorado spent $50 million to get Austin Gomber. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> they were like, if we can somehow start him only at home, yeah. we've got a Cy Young pitcher here. And, yeah. and the best part is his his schedule is set up so he has more starts on the road. So right. kudos, Colorado. You continue to impress us. Yeah, yeah. You you found a way. In in a league that has had six man rotations all season long, Colorado would um skip him on a home start to get him one more start on that road trip. That's that's what Colorado would do. So that's, the last guy to mention here, that's that's very funny. The last guy to mention is Brad Keller for starting pitchers here. Uh whirlwind season, really, right? But over the last month, he's settled in 24 and a third innings. 22 Ks, 296 ERA, uh, one and one record in that time, but three quality starts. We're talking about the stats that help down the stretch. Quality starts are there. Brad Keller has had such a weird season, uh, 564 ERA for the year. I, I can cross my fingers all I want. I'm sure that ERA is going to finish the year just under five, just under, because he's done so much damage to himself, but he is a trade target for me. The problem yeah. is that last month, if, if somebody just does that like 10 seconds of work to say, Oh, somebody's looking about Brad Keller click last month. Oh no, he's been good. That would, that might mean all of a sudden you've got to pay the Piper, but I would still consider it. And then in the off season, keep in mind, he's a great target. If he can continue to write the ship rest of season, because in the off season, the stat line is going to look like absolute garbage because like I said, at best he'll finish just under a five ERA. So Keep Keller in mind down the stretch. If you see a few blowups, then okay, temper expectations. But this is just what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, I, I watched him against Toronto the other night uh, briefly. He didn't last long, three innings. Um, you know, 
this is a guy that you can see, and we know this because we've paid attention to him a lot lately. Um, but his stuff is is there. He's struggling this year, but that's okay. Like pitchers have bad years, hitters have bad years. But this guy's enough body of work for me to buy in. He's always been a bit of a slow starter. Uh, we're seeing the back half of this season, right? So I, I just think he's only going to get better as that team around him gets better. And keep in mind, some of their best players have been hurt all season. So, you know, that's the other thing to keep in mind. That does impact the way games play out um, and the way the pitchers deliver. But four of the last five starts were very good. Um, yep. Quality starts in four or five. Uh Keller is a workhorse. He'll get out it there was, and he'll pitch five, six, seven innings. It was his la- the start against Toronto that he got beat up. So if you're yeah. going to talk about a time to have a bad start, it's when you're up against a, an offense that's surging like the Jays. And, I mean, we're not homering out by paying compliments to the Jays. They've got a top offense in baseball. No, but, but li- like- yeah, but, li- but listen to this run of starts over, I mean, to that point, right? So if you go all the way back to June 9th, the Angels, Tigers, Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox, Minnesota, Cleveland, Milwaukee, White Sox, Toronto. Like that's a tough run. <laughs> yeah, not playing pretenders right there. <laughs> like that's like if Detroit's your soft spot, like come on. Like we talked about their record already. Like that's yeah, that's a tough run for anybody. Doesn't matter if you're Brad Keller or or Max Scherzer. That's a tough stretch. Yeah. So now we'll move on to some RPs to target. So this again, just to reiterate to people. This is guys who can help you rest of season. Uh, this is guys to consider for beyond rest of seasons, which is why you may need to pay a little bit more. So this is an absolute waiver wire guy, Paul Seawald with the Mariners. Right now, he's a top 100 player in an 8x8 um, format, which is just what I'm looking at right now on Yahoo. Uh, but he has been dominant this year. He's got 13 save holds. He picked up, I think, a save over the weekend. Uh, keep in mind that... Seattle has Ken Giles on a two-year deal. So next year, that Mariner bullpen can be just as good as it was this year. Again, people up in arms about Kendall Graveman leaving, blah, blah, blah. You've got a guy like Seawald. You've got other dudes in Seattle getting it done. Castillo's now in Seattle. Um, you have Giles next year. This could be a good bullpen and and with good good parts to it. So um, Seawald's also been blessed with six wins this year, which is always mm-hmm. a good thing. But in 34 and a third innings tie, it's the 58 Ks that caught my attention. When he got called up and started to do good things, he had a year with the Mets last year. Sorry, had opportunity with the Mets last year. Wasn't able to take advantage of it. Um, this year with Seattle, just it's coming together. And uh, when you can walk into wins, that really increases your season rank which is you know a fictitious way of being better but if you've got 13 save holds and six wins just consider that to be like 19 save holds depending on your league format that's amazing for a guy who you know has less than 40 innings right now to be contributing to that level um and to my point of beyond this year i don't think he's a one and done because seattle's going to come back next year with another good bullpen yeah and potentially another six-man rotation and Andres Munoz is another guy that's there that's coming too, has back-end stuff. Great point. Well. Yeah. yeah, so there's there's a lot there. Um, a bullpen that has less stuff after the trade deadline is Washington. Um, Finnegan, one of them. I forget which one. Um, is there – what's the first Kyle. name? Kyle. Kyle, thank you. Brandon um, what, is terrible. What a forgettable first name. <laughs> Whoa. Gee, story to <laughs> all the Kyles out there. Yeah, sorry. sorry, just like Kyle in baseball, it just doesn't exist. Like since Daryl Kyle, like there's not been like okay. a significant Kyle. Like Kyle Tucker is the first one. So that's why I say that. Uh it's just not a baseball name. 
That's, that was kind of the point. But this is a guy that I, I'm not putting any stock into myself because I just don't trust where Washington's at. Like, they're built to fail right now for well, at least the short term. I'll tell you what I did, Ty. I went and got him in our home league, and you know what he did for me today? Uh, one strikeout, one unearned run, and he picked up the loss. So, Nailed boom, it. baby. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and I think Soto saved a home run while he was well, pitching, too cautious optimism is how you look at a guy like Kyle uh, Finnegan because his team or his whatever, the management of the team, the goal is no longer to win. So yes, he is in the position where he might pick up what seven saves best case scenario rest of the season. You have to understand that that could come with a five and a half ERA. So, so if you're just looking for the category, this is the guy. If you're looking for any type of impact beyond you are going to be in trouble. On that point, like Tampa turned me on to this strategy a long time ago when they weren't very good at baseball. Um, they always had a guy, like whether it was Soriano or, you know, Box uh, Boxberger or I'm trying to think of who was before those two guys. But they've always had guys that had big save totals, right? It was because right. they were a low-scoring team and they didn't win a ton of games. So when they did win the games, they barely won them and therefore they ended up with a save opportunity, right? So that was... That was something that I now today, even still, I look for in save opportunities. Like, okay, who's going to suck? And do they have a good reliever on that team? Because those opportunities well, the, are going to stack up. 15 years ago, Ty, the Jays were doing it with um, uh, uh, Jeremy Accardo and yep. Billy uh, Koch, Jan Escobar. Jansen. You know, Jansen was a guy who for a brief period of time looked like he was going to be the, he wasn't the guy with the stuff, but he like, to your point, he was the guy on a team that would not win by five runs he was on a team that when when they would win which would be 70 a year he, they would win with um you know a one run two run lead headed into the night something like that Agreed. so uh another secret little pickup here is is uh someone we've talked about a bunch on the podcast but that's because we understand the importance of the rule five draft and that's garrett whitlock who's former yankee now with boston and he's set in the pen in 52 innings this year a dazzling 121 era 53 Ks in that time, four and one record and 12 save holds. Now over the last month, his impact has declined. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that he only has two save holds and one win. So Garrett Whitlock is no longer the amazing looking shiny example of a billion Ks and all these great things that can happen, but he also was not allowed to run in the last month. And Garrett Whitlock is somebody who I would look at and say, okay, Boston looks like they've got their kind of, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, uh, Whitlock's going to come in and pitch wherever low leverage, things like that. I'm going to go see if I can get him because his line's not going to hurt me this year, but next year he could 100% be part of a either triple a rotation. and could be up early or could just be somebody that goes in that bullpen and has a better role with more safe hold opportunities. This, I like this, Whitlock. He's a target. This is a starter. I mean, the stuff is there. He's so you think he's pitcher. AAA next year to go and build? No, I think he up. opens on the opening day roster. I think he's been oh, really? good enough. Okay. Yeah, I think he's been good enough against major league hitters that, like, and, and Boston doesn't have starters. Like, they like Tanner Houck is okay. Like, to me, Tanner Houck is a more likely long-term bullpen option than Garrett Whitlock, in my opinion, because – how his thing is the slider, like or a curveball or slurve or whatever the hell that thing is. Uh, it's a good pitch, but it's the only thing he really has going. Whereas Whitlock can spot up with multiple pitches. He's just a better pitcher. Uh, and, and I think New York is going to regret losing Whitlock. And good on Boston for sniping him. 
It's it's a good pickup, and and you can do the same in your leagues because right now, if you're in a deep dynasty league in contract formats, like this is a guy you acquire now as a reliever before they start talking about him as a starter. This is how you win championships. Go find Garrett Whitlock and buy him. And if you have to pay a small premium because somebody thinks he's a, a future closer, then you do it because he's a future starter and that's going to carry more value. All right. So that is it for the um, walkthrough. You know, what do we think of? So here's some bounce back guys. Now, Ty, I don't know if you want to just rhyme off the list and then we'll just touch on a couple of them because yeah, we like are that. long in the tooth here. So the combined guys all together, here's everybody. Ty, touch on the ones you feel are necessary. Victor Reyes with Detroit, Oscar Mercado with Cleveland, Alec Bohm with Philly, Tristan McKenzie with Cleveland, Jose Suarez with LA, Dylan Bundy also with LA, Christian Javier with Houston, and Jeff Hoffman just because <laughs> yeah he he did pitch two good innings out of the pen today against pittsburgh uh we, we talked we've talked a lot about hoffman and i had to throw him in there because we he deserves a mention but i said it back previously this year there was going to be an adjustment period for hoffman he's coming out of that now so i do think whether cincinnati makes a run here or not i think we're going to see more good jeff hoffman down the stretch um i just think it's the evolution of him i think we're going to see it so I like him. Christian Javier fits the Garrett Whitlock conversation for me. This is a guy that um, uninformed owners will make a mistake and trade you Christian Javier. I did it to a guy in our big money league, Rob. Um, okay. I, traded you, I traded you Darvish, right, on an expiring contract, and I got Javier with long-term control because he's a reliever and because I believe that owner thought he was going to be a reliever long-term. This is an inning control thing. It's all this is for the Houston Astros. They just don't want to jam up his innings and have his – they're giving him two and three innings out of the pen, right? We've seen this with Julio Urias last year, and and I think we're seeing the same thing here with Christian Javier. Very similar. Um, the stuff is excellent. So it's not anything short of him just waiting for that chance. So for me, like Christian Javier might be the buy – you can like if I was to pick one guy to buy in dynasty format, I would pick Christian Javier. Really? Overall, overall just because of the value in the return you're going to get. Like I just think the timing is right to get Christian Javier because people are thinking he's going to be a reliever long term, like Garrett Whitlock. Okay, well I've I've got it. So for the bounce back in this particular category, my thing is going to be Tristan. My guy is going to be Tristan McKenzie. Um, reason being that I feel like long term there's a lot of of growth that can happen where he can end up as an SP one type. Now that doesn't mean he's going to be like perennial ace, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I can see McKenzie being a good fantasy guy. Ty, you don't like it. I understand that. However, however, Tristan McKenzie has opportunity in within the organization that he's in now rest of season and beyond. And growth is an important thing. And Cleveland is the type of organization that can turn your, um, dust into diamonds. And that's what they may do with Tristan McKenzie. Uh, Victor Reyes is somebody that you talked about earlier before we started recording, uh, looking like he may have turned the corner. And and to your point with Detroit, there's another guy. So consider a Victor Reyes as somebody that could be doing it with that outfield. Grossman, Reyes, Badu, um, everybody else that they want to put through. Christian Stewart looks like he is you know out of the picture now. So if you have him in Dynasty, look to move on. Uh, I believe he's off the 40 man now. So that if you, if you're looking for a sign that a guy is out of favor with his organization, if they are removed from the 40 man, 
um, see Reese McGuire earlier, <laughs> then that's what happens. Now, yes, Reese McGuire is back, but it was a sign that the organization had said, you know, we don't want him. And then 29 other teams said the exact same thing. So uh, Alec Bohm is another guy who I think is a really good trade target this trade deadline because it doesn't look good on dynasty stats. But if you get into like hard hit and what he's doing and things of that nature, Bohm just isn't hitting home runs. And that's what he's got to do as a third baseman. Now, if that's the problem long-term and he has to move off or he goes over to first or whatever happens with Reese Hoskins, um, we could have that conversation when we get there. But in the meantime, I still think he's an asset to acquire right now. And then somebody else that you had talked about was Jose or whatever, put on the list, Jose Suarez. Uh, I like Jose Suarez. Looks like he's going to start rest of the season. One of the guys that's affected by that is Dylan Bundy. But Ty, why don't you have a little word on Bundy? What what are you timing out? I would never put Jose Suarez on any list except you for told the me garbage. he was your favorite pitcher. You said your favorite pitchers were no. Jose Suarez, Pablo Lopez, and Pablo Sandoval. What am I missing? No, no, no. <laughs> just hard no. Anyway, uh, Dylan Bunny is a guy that uh, it's just a buy low option in my opinion. Like he he pitched six point one stellar innings of shutout baseball today, and I think this is a guy that's a free agent at the end of the season that I'm actually shocked no one traded for I, I i am surprised that at the major league level no one picked up dylan bundy because la would have gave him away and i'm surprised that no one took the shot there because there's enough body of work here for you and and if you're in any format where dylan bundy signed long term go buy him for nothing you can give to that person a bag of baseballs and and they will take whatever you're giving them to get rid of dylan bundy he is going to go you know, San Francisco would be a phenomenal spot for Dylan Bundy to land, right? St. Louis, Minnesota, all of those spots would be good fits for Dylan Bundy. He's going to be a bargain for them. It's probably going to be a short one-year deal, and then he's probably going to get a three- or four-year deal. See Robbie Ray, that's the the, the pipeline that, that I expect for Dylan Bundy. Like, Toronto very easily could sign Dylan Bundy. That would be right. another – Right. And, and Pete Walker do his thing. So, yeah, I know, guess if, if a guy like Walker was to put the list together, he would want all those types of guys that he thinks he can work with. Yeah, that makes 100%. sense. Yeah. So like Dylan Bunny's just he's free. And that's why he's on this list is that if you're in a trade deadline and he's on the roster that you're negotiating, like you could say, oh, I'm not so sure about this trade, but give me Dylan Bunny and, and it's done. And you might have already decided, but somebody will throw Dylan Bunny in just for the sake of getting a trade done. And you could be very happy with that return. That's that's my point. Yeah, it fair. It's fair. And and that's where you have to look. It's like the Daniel Norris's of the world. You have to look at what you're getting uh, from the player rest of season realistically, and then consider whether that's going to work with your roster or not. If you're in a points league, Dylan Bundy as an RP is, is far more valuable than he is as a horrible, horrible starting pitcher who has had isolated good starts. So, you know, th- that's where you got to know it. And I mean, if you've got trade deadline questions, um, hit us up at Dinger's Pod with those questions. Um, Ty, attorney boss, myself, Robbie Baseball one, and that's what we are here to do help you become number one, win your leagues. Yeah, and then you love us long time, so uh, <laughs> it's a great spot to leave it. It's been Tyler and Rob here on Dingers.